0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, data. So I want to hopefully get to, I don't know if this is like two, three days ago, I said we're going to talk about running backs and tight ends. We got to running backs. We didn't get to tight ends. I think we're going to get to tight ends today. There's a big group of like questions and whatnot around tight ends, so I want to get there. A little bit of talk about the Chicago Bears and a few other this and that. Oh, yeah, and we got a winner for the T-shirt giveaway. We'll get to that name after the break. As far as what I want to do for this month's giveaway, I think I want to get away from t-shirts a little bit. And I'm thinking some kind of a subscription, but I'm not sure what. I might just leave it up to you, although obviously you're not getting Game Pass or PFF Elite. But there's a lot of subscription options out there. And I figure with the draft coming up, there's a lot of good draft guides and those kinds of things that maybe you might want that maybe you don't want to pay for. So I'm thinking in that direction, and if you have some thoughts about that, let me know. Although I do like the you-get-to-pick thing. But anyways, we'll get to the name of the t-shirt winner after the break. Until then, if you like the show, if you appreciate the fact that it is a daily podcast and the content, etc., etc., the best way that you can support the show would be to go to patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can join for as little as a dollar a month for as much as you might spend doing like a binge Chick-fil-A run. Heck, I think I binged meat yesterday at the grocery store. It wasn't even planned. It was like pork chops on sale, and it was like 12 bucks for this whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll do that. I just binged $12 just because. For that same price, you can support this, this show for an entire year. So think it over. Maybe bring it up at your budget meeting at your house. I'd like to present an item to this here budget. Ours are very formal. We like to use these and thous, thuslies, you know. Otherwise, make sure you are in the Packer Night Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packer Night Podcast Facebook page. Rate, review, subscribe, whatever. Live, love, laugh, cry, high five. Why don't we take a quick break, and on the other side, we will do a um, the giveaway deal. Sound good? Good. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. All right, so the giveaway for last month was I would select a winner, somebody that had donated to the show, whether that be through Patreon or otherwise. I would select a winner, and that person would be able to design their very own Packers t-shirt. I would go out, pay to have it designed, and ship to your house. That's what we're doing today. The winner of the t-shirt giveaway is one Mr. Tristan Fisher. Congratulations to Tristan, and please tell me you don't live super far away. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Compared to the cost of getting this designed, I'm sure shipping it won't be that bad. So, uh, thanks to everybody. Appreciate the support. And again, please consider jumping in and supporting the show. It does help to pay for all the odds and ends. Things like new computers when fans are really loud. Subscriptions so I can go in-depth on a lot of the stuff I talk about, whether that's PFF. um, I'm subscribed to both Track and Over the Cap because, you know, sometimes you just need different app information pro football focus game pass all that stuff so think it over and you get entered into a uh, cool little giveaways so let's start with the chicago bears obviously there's a lot of rumors flying around especially it's, it's almost not even worth talking about all the rumors about the packers because again they pick up the phone and call about everybody and then you also have agents leaking information about there's interest in this guy so that it gins up more interest and it just I just feel like we haven't really even started the process yet until the CBA thing kicks off. I want to hear a little bit more official things. I feel like the Austin Hooper thing was relatively official. That sounded like a, you know, you never really know exactly what words were told to this person. But it at least sounded like they were going to make a half-hearted attempt, which, again, might just mean they're going to call and see if they can afford to get him. In other words, if the price is right, it's officially official, as opposed to Joe Schobert, where we know they're going to make a call, we don't know if there's any actual genuine interest. However, with that said, one of the things that has become very clear uh, for this offseason is that the Bears are looking for an established veteran, which makes a lot of sense, uh, for several reasons. Number one, the best quarterback on their team is a free agent that is likely not going to be re-signed. He's actually, apparently the Browns are looking very heavily at him and that's Mr. Chase Daniel. So they're losing a veteran, so it makes sense you want to bring in a veteran. The other reason would be, well, because we don't have a very good quarterback. And then the third reason for that would be we also don't have a first-round pick. Now, they they do have two second-round picks, so if we use the more updated trade value chart, they can get up to about pick 22. So it's possible that there could be a quarterback sitting there. However, given the amount of needs that they now have because of the draft issue and not getting very many valuable free agents, et cetera, et cetera, it would make sense to, at least for now, roll with Trubisky, go out and get a veteran quarterback, try to fill needs with those two second-round picks because those are valuable second-round picks. I can't imagine, you know, trading up to 22 to get a guy like Love or Eason or whoever you think might be the guy, and you're losing both your second-round picks. So now you're getting another quarterback that if he doesn't pan out, now you don't have a first or second round. It's just, it's a nightmare. So it it all makes sense. Not in a great way for Bears fans, but it, it still makes sense. Now here's where it gets a little bit interesting. Apparently, one of the people that they have reached out to are the Cincinnati Bengals about a trade for Andy Dalton. The reason I say it's interesting is because of the part where I said trade for Andy Dalton. We're not talking about a veteran free agent we're not talking about going out and getting tom brady which i gotta be honest that would be something that i would actually really like maybe i would be asking for a terrible thing to have tom brady go to the bears maybe he would make that a great team i just think it would be tom brady on a downward swing on just a really terrible team and we would see the downfall of tom brady and the chicago bears at the same time and it would be at the hand of the green bay packers it would just be the most glorious thing ever But anyways, getting back to reality here, Andy Dalton has one more year left on his contract. There are no guarantees left by the Cincinnati Bengals, which means the $17.7 million cap hit, I believe, would go entirely to the Chicago Bears. Beyond that, it's interesting, because in order to trade for a quarterback, you kind of have to offer the Cincinnati Bengals something. Now, I don't exactly know what 33-year-old Andy Dalton would command, but I would be willing to bet at the very least, you're giving up one of those second-round picks. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll grant to you that this isn't Jimmy Garoppolo, not that he's even that good, but, you know, young and aspiring compared to Andy Dalton, who's, I mean, you, you know what he is. And so then you get a situation where, from our perspective, the worst-case scenario, as a Packer fan, the Bears have no first-round pick. They use one of their second-round picks to get Andy Dalton. And when the time comes, Andy Dalton takes over, Trubisky sits on the bench, and the Bears are quarterbacked by, I mean, by Andy Dalton, who is, I would guess, probably an upgrade, but not by a lot. Just looking at PFF, Mitch Trubisky was the 30th-ranked quarterback, Andy Dalton was the 24th-ranked quarterback. So this is a declining Bears team who is purging talent whose entire identity was wrapped up in this elite defense that is going in the exact opposite direction. I I think they're going to flatline. Again, 2018 was a massive spike in which a lot of guys were way over their skis. 2019 is just kind of who a lot of these guys are. Now, you could see slight spikes individually, but you're not going to see it as a unit. The problem is, however, they've got deeper issues. For example, at cornerback, they're losing Prince of Mukamura. That's problematic. Kyle Fuller was only good in that Vic Fangio scheme so either they go back to the old scheme or the old way of doing things or they just have a useless Kyle Fuller who who is a actually pretty talented corner in the right scheme. he's just on the wrong team he's not a a, a, a press corner he's not a press man guy that that takes a unique skill set only a, there's only a handful of guys that can do that at an elite at an, an elite level. I'm just stumbling over my tongue today. Just refuses to wake up with the rest of the body, and so we get to watch Mitch Trubisky sit on the bench, and Andy Dalton take over, and they lose a second-round pick for that. And maybe it's not a second, but I, I you know, I just have a hard time believing you're going to get Andy Dalton for a third or later. Maybe I, I don't know, I don't know. But that's that's worst-case scenario, and then then maybe you get somewhat of a revitalized version of Andy Dalton. But remember, they don't have an AJ Green on that team. I mean, okay. Allen Robinson maybe gets a little bit of a, a spike a slightly more competent veteran quarterback is probably going to make Allen Robinson look a little bit more like the wide receiver that he is but even so compare that up against the the Minnesota Vikings or, or even the Lions for that matter as far as quarterback wide receiver combos how scared are we of the Chicago Bears in that scenario And again they're they're giving up draft capital which is the best case scenario and it's not like they're getting out scot free with paying him. They still got to give him the seventeen million. He's not free. I mean, they could rework a new contract, which would lessen the cap hit. But that's even better news because then they have to keep him for the long haul. They got to keep him then. Then they're stuck with Andy Dalton. I mean, this is just—it just—it's—it's it's great for so many reasons. And again, we've we've seen flashes of Andy Dalton, and there's definitely a possibility that he could have one of his up years, which I think he's had like one in his career where he was actually really good. But the odds of that happening with the Bears, and then again, how much more does that scare us than Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford? By the way, both ranked top, I mean, three quarterbacks in the NFC North were ranked as top 10 quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, and Kirk Cousins. The Bears come into the table now with a, you know, top 25 quarterback for the first time in a long time. Like, guess what, guys? Boom, Andy Dalton time. Go away. Why are you even standing here? Now, if they were to go and trade for a guy like Derek Carr, eh, maybe a little bit more nervous. Derek Carr was rated as the eighth overall quarterback last year. Again, he's not super elite, but he's definitely a very competent and younger quarterback. But with that comes a massive contract that I don't think the Bears can afford, which is the other kind of shocking thing. The Bears currently have $16 million in cap space, which isn't that bad. But remember, this is one of those teams that is not paying a quarterback $35 million a year. Look how successful a lot of these other teams are that aren't paying massive amounts of money to rookie quarterbacks. They, they either are very good or they got money coming out of their ears. Now, the Jets aren't very good, but they're just loaded with cash. The Bears somehow have found a way to not pay a quarterback and not be good and not have a lot of money congratulations to you that is a feat to be admired but again you overpay Khalil Mack 26.6 million he's very good but again 26.6 is a lot allen robinson 15 million eh, i guess it's worth it i mean is a t-bone steak worth it if you can't take it out of the fridge i mean technically if you buy a t-bone steak it's worth the price you pay it But if you're not allowed to eat it, is it really worth the money? I don't think so. Like if you told me, here's a T-bone steak, you get to go home, but you have to cook it and then refrigerate it and then reheat it in the microwave and eat it later, it's not really worth the money I paid for it because now it just tastes like hamburger. Because every time you take beef and you refrigerate it and microwave it, it tastes like hamburger meat. It's just a reality of life. And that's Alan Robinson. I don't know if he's exactly a T-bone steak. I'll call him a T-bone steak. He's not like a filet or anything. He's at least a flank steak. He's a flank steak that got put in the refrigerator and is being microwaved by the Chicago Bears. And now he's just hamburger. But they're paying him like flank steak. Is is this working for you? Is this analogy working out? I'm enjoying it because I'm a little bit hungry. I don't know know where you're at on this. I think it works. I'm sticking with that. But anyways, here's to hoping that they strike a deal with Andy Dalton. They give up a second-round pick. You know, I mean, if we want to go best-case scenario, it costs a second round and then some. I can't imagine it would be both second-round picks. That would be ridiculous, but I would just, I mean, I would have tears. I would be so happy. But best-case scenario, it's a second and like a sixth or seventh or some useless pick. And they bring in Andy Dalton, and they sit Andy Dalton on the bench for Mitch Trubisky, and they pay him the $17 million, which they can't afford because they have $16 million. Again, if we're just talking about one year, you're paying him all of it, or you extend him, which would be best-case scenario. They gave him a three-year contract so that they can afford Andy Dalton to sit on the bench while Mitch Trubisky continues to lose for the Chicago Bears. Oh, I don't know. I hope it gets done. I, uh, I mean, I guess actual worst-case scenario is they get him for like a fourth. Andy Dalton comes in and is actually really good. It's just it's just a, such a ridiculous scenario in my mind. It's not even hardly worth talking about. How depressed would you be to be a Chicago Bears fan right now? Like, you, you get this glimpse of being legit like this is we are a really good team this defense is is so good and you just watch it crumble before your eyes i don't know i don't don't want to get too far ahead of myself for all i know they're gonna i don't know get philip rivers or some actual pretty competent quarterback and it's going to be a nightmare but in the meantime it's very fun to make fun of the chicago bears uh kind of a completely random thing but it was a note i made a while ago that I, i wanted to just push up to the top that we need to consider um, there are some guys on this team that are free agents this year that it's not even really a question of do we want to keep them. And I've talked about this a little bit with Jared Valdir, but we also got to ask the question about Tremont Williams, who I said for a long time last year was probably the most underrated player on this team. He was consistently one of the best corners on this team. Maybe not too much in any one game, but he was just consistently solid all year long, played a very, very good role on this team. And there's a chance that he may retire. And, and Jared Valdir, again, a lot of people well, well, maybe we should sign him. What would we, you know, what about keeping him and moving on with so and so? We don't know if he even wants to play anymore. So that's going to be really interesting. And I, it also brings up a question, at least in, as so far, in so far as we talk about Tremont Williams, how big of a need is corner? Kevin King is coming up for a really big contract. Now he could, as early as this year, he might be getting a really big extension, and that's going to answer that question for us. And in fact, we could even go beyond that because there's several guys that are up in eight. You could look at a guy like Mercedes Lewis. I don't know that too many people care, but that's somebody else that could retire. Jimmy Graham could just decide to retire, which would solve a problem for us. But thinking specifically about cornerback and also how important that is, I really think without Tremont in there, we've got a pretty big void. Even if you're really big on Kevin King and Jair Alexander, and I would say I'm somewhat middle of the road. My impression of Jair has fallen a bit. My impression of Kevin King has gone up a little bit since, you know, since the beginning of last year. But if Tremont were to hang up the cleats, or if we just decide not to sign him, we've got Channon Sullivan, Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman. Maybe Josh Jackson is the guy, I don't know. But what would the harm be in getting a really good corner? And this is what I talked about a while ago in terms of we know what positions we think are the most important. We're looking at the first round saying it's either – a wide receiver, a linebacker, or maybe a defensive tackle. Yeah, but it doesn't actually have to be, does it? Wouldn't it be the most Green Bay Packers thing in the world to take a corner? One of the, because whatever, what the Packers usually do is they take somebody that nobody was expecting. Everybody's upset because we got our heart set on X, Y, and Z, and they do B. And then after a day of mourning, we come back the next day and go, you know, this actually makes a lot of sense. If you think about it, we do that routine. Corner is kind of that thing. Kevin King is unproven, has a lot of injuries, and is coming up for a contract. Jair is, you know, if I'm being honest, he's shown flashes of being great, but it, he's his production overall has been good, not great. That can always improve, but if I were to characterize it, Jair has been good, not great. Kevin King has been not great, but sometimes good, and especially good down the stretch last year. But you bring in a corner, because you usually need three anyways, and it, it, it kind of helps to figure some stuff out. Worst case scenario is that you didn't actually need a corner because Kevin King and Jair Alexander are awesome, but that's kind of like drafting a edge rusher when you just went out and paid Preston and Zedarius at pick 12. You know, did you really need to do that? Probably not. But are you really upset about having three edge rushers you know, or, or you know, a high round pick and, and two free? Ed- no, you're not. So if your worst case scenario is three really good corners, that's not a bad scenario. And if it doesn't pan out with with either Kevin King not doing very well or Jair not doing really well, and if you believe this guy is really a top-tier guy and he's really the top guy on your board, would you not take a corner? I think definitely the Packers would, especially if Tremont walks, and I think that's something we have to genuinely consider. Not that there's many options, but if a guy were to fall, knowing that there's talent at wide receiver and linebacker later in the second round, is it impossible? No, it's not. You could even expand beyond that and say, is it impossible they go out and get a free agent corner? a wildly important position we've obviously invested a lot in DB we got Adrian Amos we drafted Darnell Savage we drafted Jair I mean Brian Gudekunst in his two years of drafting in the first round th- out of three picks two of them were DBs one of them was an edge rusher so you know we'll see what happens with Tremont Williams but I'm, I'm just saying if he goes away I would not be super shocked if there's some attention paid. it doesn't have to be first round but I'm, I'm just saying I think that falls a little higher on the priority list than people think, and I think it's to the point where it's at least not impossible they take him in the first round, but that's just based on best player available. The The thing that I want to combat is the idea that they're not going to take a corner in the first round. That's dumb. I went through the list. There's only like a handful of positions they will absolutely not touch in the first round, but in general, they will take the best player available. If the best player, if there's one guy up on this tier and that player's a corner, guess what we're drafting? It's a corner. And I don't care how many wide receivers are available. If they think that corner is of a different order, of a different tier higher, they're going to take the corner. That's just how that works. Now, again, if it's a quarterback, are they going to take – well, they've already said they would. So wide receiver they would. Tackle they would. I think anyone along the offensive line they would. Tight end they probably would. Running back, yeah. That maybe they would take a pass on. Fullback obviously wouldn't exist in the first round. Maybe edge rusher if the top, if a a guy in another tier was an edge rusher, maybe they would move down to the next tier or try to trade out of that spot. Defensive line, obviously they would. Linebacker, obviously they would. Safety, I still think they would because we use a lot of three safety, and we got Darnell and Adrian, but we could still use a third, so they probably would, although that would be another hated pick by Packers fans for the most part. So again, I, I don't see a lot of positions in which if this is, again, we're talking tiers. I'm not talking about because that's how these things get broken up. You've got tiers of players. There's you know your top tier, which has got like two guys on it, and as you go through, you checking guys off the board. And if you've got, you know, your third tier with a bunch of guys, but there's still one guy left on that second tier, the Packers are going to take the guy on the second tier because that's more important. Getting a second tier type player, you know, if you think about it in terms of grades, let's say it's just a 10 point scale and, you know, 10 is the first tier is from 9.5 to 10, second tier is from you know, 9 to 9.5 and then, you know, whatever. There's a bunch of 8.5s to 9s, but there's one guy that's like a 9.2. Of course you're going to take the 9.2. I'm, I'm, I'm really trailing off on this, but I, I, I still want to do this, not just for you, but for me, because I'm getting into that mode where it's like, it's going to be these five guys. And then you get down to it, and like two of those five guys are left, and it's like, ooh, it's going to be one of these two, and they take somebody that you never even talked about at a position you never even considered. And it's like, I'm not going to do that to myself this year. I'm going to know all the prospects. I'm going to get to know all of them, likes and dislikes, and I will judge them based on how I think of them as an individual, not based on it's going to be one of these two guys at one of these two positions. Because the Packers just never, ever, ever do that. They might draft the position we're thinking, but even if they do, it's not going to be the player we were thinking. Again, the only single time ever that I can remember where the Packers draft came up it was their pick, and it was like, this is definitely the guy, was HaHa ha Clinton Dix. Where everybody was like, dude, it's got to be HaHa, ha, and they took HaHa, ha, and it was like, oh, there you go. That was easy. Not one other time that I say I know who they're picking. Every other time has been, whoa, 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 whoa who? What? Rashawn Gary, why? Darnell, that t- Darnell set? you traded up? I thought we could get him in the second round. What are you trading up for? You could have got him back where we were sitting. Kenny Clark? Kenny Who's Kenny Clark? It's always just, I didn't expect that. Always. And even the the announcers, right, because, or the guys, the broadcasters, because the Packers have a generally good reputation, they, they tend to put a good spin on it, but they were never, you know, they're flipping through their books like, oh, geez, all right, let's slide over here to the late second round guys. Yeah, there he is. Oh, this is a great player they're getting right here. I'll tell you what, Packers are crazy like that, man. This topic got away from me, but you know I'm right. Be prepared for it, and I also want you to be prepared for it because I don't want just this flood of negativity because you and I and we as a community have built up this idea that it has to be this, and the Packers are going to deviate from it, and then it's just going to be vile, vitriolic hatred toward the Green Bay Packers because they did something so dumb, and you get the negative people and kind of the the middle-of-the-road people all being super negative and being hateful at one of my favorite times of the year, the draft. When we just got a really top-tier player, player, according to Brian Gutekunst and this incredible staff, and all we get are Packer fans crying and moaning. Not doing that this year. Not doing it. People still kicking and screaming about Rashawn Gary. Um, another thing from the CBA that's somewhat interesting, I don't exactly know how this is all going to play out, but it means you're probably less likely to have guys poached from you. This is from Tom Pellicero. He tweeted out another notable change under the proposed CBA: practice squad players elevated to the active roster may be returned to the practice squad twice without having to go through waivers. Two practice squad players may be elevated each week, increasing the active and inactive roster to 54 or 55. So generally, the fear was if you kick a guy down to the practice squad, they got to clear waivers, meaning they could get poached. This will give teams a little bit more flexibility to move, shuffle guys up and down. Because before, you might want to move a guy down, but you're, you're just like, this guy's never going to survive. If we want to keep him, we can't put him on the practice squad and elevate somebody else or whatever. So now there's probably going to be a lot more movement with that kind of stuff. And finally, before we take our second break, um, I want to talk about another defensive lineman option, and that is a man by the name of Derek Wolfe. Derek has been with the Denver Broncos since 2012. Um, he's not an elite player by any stretch of the imagination. But he's kind of fits that mold of being a guy that's just pretty steady Eddie. Um, he's even across the board. He's much better as a run defender than a pass rusher. And I think he kind of fits that mold a little bit more as far as what Mike Pettin is looking for. Six foot five, two 285. Again, tall, long, and lean. And again, at 285, you would expect him to be more of a pass rusher than a run defender. But he's one of those guys that just uses his length properly. He's a technician. So I don't know exactly what the Packers' plans are, but if they're looking for a very low-cost option to bring in to be a rotational player that I think would be a good fit, I think Derek Wolf at least kind of fits the mold a little bit. You know, if, if they're looking to take a big swing, which I don't think they are because the money's a little bit tighter, so I don't know if they're going to be taking as many big swings, probably not Derek Wolf. But the, again, this is a low-cost option for a short-term guy that's probably going to be a little bit of an upgrade. Um, along the defensive line, and he's a veteran, so he knows what he's doing. So far, he's got meetings with Arizona, New England, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. That doesn't mean that Green Bay isn't picking up the phone and asking about him, though. Just just a thought. I saw that he was out there doing the rounds, and I thought, you know, Derek Wolf's a pretty good football player. Sure enough, I looked him up. Again, not elite. He's not fixing this problem for us, but if you slide him into the rotation, he's at least up there with Dean Lowry, which I know isn't anybody's favorite, but You know, you you go beyond Dean Lowry and what do we have? Not a lot of anything that's very good. Anyways, why don't we take our second break and then we'll finally get to this tight end uh, bonanza. So the first bit of tight end news is the fact that tight end Robert Tanyan apparently had corrective surgery on core muscle. Apparently it was something that was bothering him all year, so of course that's going to give us a little bit more hope that maybe next year things will be better. As you probably know, I'm generally pretty pessimistic about that stuff usually anytime there's a oh that's why he wasn't an elite player now that he had a little bit of a tweak to his core muscle now that he's fixed he's going to be elite again although he never was and again anytime you're going to give me a undrafted free agent and tell me that a surgery on his core muscle is going to make the difference from him being you know not a factor at all to being a very good tight end i just don't super buy it and look tanyan has had his moments but we can go through this list of football players who have had moments that everybody's got way overexcited about that didn't actually materialize into anything. I mean, if you want me to do that, I can. But the fact of the matter is, in 2018, he had a, a PFF grade of 60. This year, it dropped to 55. So, so if he rebounds to 60, that's cool. Maybe if he even goes up a little bit to 65, great. Good for you. But that doesn't super solve a lot of our problems. And, you know, I, Robert Tanyan is a free agent this year, so... I would assume, you know, I mean, if it's up to me, I'm probably keeping him, but only because I might be moving on from the two older gents. At the very least, I got to make sure if we're keeping Mercedes Lewis, I got to know that he wants to stay around, because Jimmy's definitely gone. And we can't get rid of Mercedes and get rid of Robert Tanya, but I'm not necessarily keeping Robert Tanya because I think he's a fantastic football player. You can slot Robert Tanya in there with Geronimo and all the rest of them who, you know, had a good game, had a good play, and everyone's like, dude, he's so good, or what, whatever, however that happened. And again, he, he has flashes, but every football player on planet Earth has had a good game or two. What is it we want at tight end? Is, is that the, that what we aspire to? Robert Tanyan, who had two good games, only one of which where he had any kind of substantial snaps, that was against the Minnesota Vikings. In 2018, he had one good game, and that was a game in which he had three total snaps, so I'm not trying to dog on the guy. I just I, I saw the comments to this like, oh, that explains. No, not really. It might explain a little bit, but Tanyan is Tanyan, man. He was undrafted for a reason. And by the way, it was the Lions that picked him up as an undrafted free agent. They promptly dumped him and we picked him up. And he's probably getting as much time as he is because we don't have any competent tight ends on our team and haven't had for a very long time. That's conducive to having a guy like robert tanyan get snaps i mean richard rogers has been the best tight end the packers have had i mean <laughs> on a on a consistent basis since finley back in like 2010 which i actually want to talk about in a minute here so we'll, we'll get off of this because i don't want to trash tanyan too much just just please relax on the oh he had surgery so now he's going to be great stuff that's nonsense all right here's a question i got a long time ago from steve on uh, instagram And it is about Hayden Hurst. So we're kind of going back in time. I talked about Hayden Hurst and how I thought that that way of doing things kind of made sense. So I want to kind of run through this a little bit. Steve says, I would take Harrison Bryant in the third before trading a third for Hurst. So first of all, let me just say I admire the gusto. I think that that is a proper attitude to have if you're going to be a GM. The I don't need to pay for somebody else's picks. I can go get my own. If you have a GM, he better be thinking in those terms. Because if you got a guy, as I've said before, that's just buying up everybody else's good draft picks because you can't draft well, that it's time for you to go. But I think the bigger issue is, what do we actually know and what can we control compared to what we think Bryant can be? So first of all, we don't even know if Bryant is available in the third, correct? So this isn't a proper strategy. The, the, the other question would be, how many tight ends do we think will be available with our third round pick, which is a late third round pick? that we would rather have over Hayden Hurst? And are we willing to risk not even getting a tight end because all those guys got drafted in an effort to protect our third-round pick? Even if we, we, you know, we we would have to guarantee that these guys are available and then look at it and say, okay, which would you rather have? But again, remember, we can't do that. If if we've got a list of two guys that, that we think would be better in the third than trading that third for Hayden Hurst, what happens if those two guys are gone? Do you reach on a fourth round prospect tight end? No, that's a that's a terrible waste of a pick. And so now we go into the fourth round hoping that there's at least a fourth round tight end worthy of, or of picking. And if there isn't, we're really risking going through this whole process without even getting a tight end until maybe free agency. So it's a pretty high risk proposition, again, compared to what we know we can control, which is... If, if Baltimore's willing to accept this trade, we can just give it to them and we get Hearst, and that's it. We know that that's on the table because they said that they would agree to it. I mean, I'm making that part up, but we're, we're assuming that portion of it. So if we assume both now, let's say we, we know with absolute certainty that Bryant is there, and we know that we can get him for a third. So that portion of this pros and, and cons column is, is going to be a wash. It's the same cost, at least as far as draft capital. With Bryant, you're going to get a guy that's four years younger and $3 million cheap. We're going to get him on his rookie deal for four years as opposed to two years. None of those things are trivial. Those things matter. The upside with Hurst that I would argue, though, is that he's already the guy we're looking for. He's exactly what we want and have not been able to find really since ever. He is the elusive top 10 tight end that the Packers have been trying to find for the entirety of Rodgers' career. If we look back, and I did at, at PFF's ranking. Go all the way back to 2008, which is the start of Finley's career. These are our top tight ends and how they ranked via PFF. Finley in 2018, in 2008 was 60th. In 2009, he was 16th. In 2010, he was 8th. So he was top 10. He was 8th. In 2011, he was 53rd. In 2012, he was 63rd. In 2013, he was 23rd. Again, the the, the talk that Finley was a very good tight end was, was nonsense. He was a good tight end maybe once. I remember the talk about Finley back in the day. It was maybe this year he's going to be the guy that he always, you know, this is going to be, this year is going to be different. He's going to be really good this year. And it just never materialized. So in the six years that he was with Green Bay, once he was top 10, after that in 2014, we had Corliss, who was 61st. Richard Rodgers, who was 28th. Jared Cook, who was 28th. Again, we all talk about how much we miss Jared Cook. He was garbage for the entire year, but then kind of got really good in the postseason. But that largely was because Jordy got hurt, and he became the number one receiver. 2017, it was Rodgers again, who was 83rd. 2018, Tanyan, who was 69th. And then in 2019, Mercedes Lewis, 23rd. Since 2008, over 10 years, we have had one top 10 tight end ever. Only twice have we had a top 20 tight end. That was in 2009 and 2010 with uh, Jermichael Finley. There were only three other times in that period where it was even top 32. Mercedes Lewis in 2019, which we know was not even our number one tight end, but I'll put him in there anyways. Jared Cook barely in 2016, and uh, Jermichael Finley once in 2013. Outside of that, we got 60s and 50s and 80s terrible tight ends and so as much as i appreciate the gusto oh we could just draft a guy no problem and granted a lot of this is not a whole lot of actually trying andrew corliss was not a lot of trying richard rogers wasn't a lot of effort cook and and all these older veteran guys is not a whole lot of trying so maybe you could say that this is actual effort but again we're talking about a third round pick it's not first round a lot of these guys were what richard rogers and corliss were what fourth round picks is it that much more of a certainty that he's going to be really good? Again, I I just don't want to overestimate how easy it is to find tight ends. We've been trying. Mike McCarthy wanted desperately, I want a tight end. He, he talked about how that's the most important position. And in his offense, tight oh, end, no, 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 no. tight end, 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 tight end. Never, ever, ever can we find a tight end that's any good. And now we got a new head coach, and guess what he likes? Tight ends. He wants tight ends. He values tight ends. The NFL values tight ends. We talked about how important it is to have a really good tight end. Hayden Hurst this past year was the 13th best tight end. And as much as that might not seem impressive, it would be the second best performance ever by a tight end in Green Bay in the last 12 years. And although it's not definitely a certainty he could come over and not be a good tight end, that's possible. We know that he has the upside that he has. We know that he can perform at that level. But let's look at it from another perspective here. Let's take it from one other angle. 36 tight ends have been taken in the last two years. Those are the years in which Hayden Hurst was drafted. Seven of them are good. 11 are average, 13 were bad, and 5 were straight up garbage. Seven out of 36 are any good. So either way, I'm not going to be mad. Either strategy makes sense and works for me. I just don't want to, again, understate how rare of an opportunity it is to get a guy that has top 10 potential as a tight end. A guy that was drafted in the first that's actually producing like a first-round tight end. And again, his cost is going to be a rookie cost because he's on his rookie contract. So again, I, I I respect it, but I think if you were to, whether or not that's a better strategy, whether or not that's the more prudent thing to do, it probably is. I think honestly, if you were to put your money down between Harrison Bryant or Hayden Hurst, which one is going to have a better year in 2020, I would be stunned if Harrison Bryant had a better year than Hayden Hurst. Obviously, that depends which teams they each end up at, but I, I just, I would be genuinely very stunned. And so I would go the Harrison Bryant route only insofar as I believe in the Ted Thompson model of you don't just give these guys away for older guys and, you know, you gotta do build the right way through the draft and blah, 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 blah. But again, the miss rate on tight ends is just, it's ridiculous. So again, I'm I'm gonna, I respect it, but I'm gonna hold my ground where I'm at on this as far as just being, a good decision and we, we got to see what the cost is and maybe Harrison Bryant would be available later maybe Hayden Hurst is about to completely fall off and it's been a fluke for a couple of years that he's been any good and Harrison Bryant is the next Travis Kelsey you know and, and then then I'm just a big dummy I don't know but again I'm just kind of playing the odds here it's very hard to actually get a tight end to produce in the way that Hayden Hurst is and if if he's just being offered up with his rookie contract I just have a real hard time saying no depending on cost but I just have a hard time. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.